Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Jess. And I'm Regan, and this is You Pick, We Watch, the podcast where you pick the movie and we take a deep dive into it, learning everything we can about your recommendation. Today, we're talking about the 1989 film, Batman. Yeah, uh, this is actually only the second Batman movie I realized that I've seen. What's the first? <laughs> uh, Batman Forever was the first. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Yeah, I uh, never got into the Christopher Nolan ones, so. Do you feel a little more into them now? Like, is yeah, this oh, going to start a... Yeah, we're going to watch all of them now. Nice. As soon as I get back from Maine uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to just sit down and start watching them. Um, That's awesome. How was, how was your week? Good. Really good. Good? I went camping. Oh, nice. Fun. Yeah. What uh? Where'd you go camping? Uh, just on uh Grand Island at Branches, so oh, it's nice. a little cabin. I guess you wouldn't really call it camping. I guess glamping <laughs> is probably a better term. I I really do enjoy tent camping, but anytime that I know we're getting a cabin, it's immediately a different experience. You know, you guys like... are out in like the woods all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're nice. trying to get outside as much as possible. Very cool. Um, well, this week, there was a lot of news coming out because uh, it was virtual Comic-Con week. Ooh. So I got a few a few fun things. Uh, Sonic 2 officially announced. Uh, did you see the first one? Sonic the Hedgehog? I, I didn't. That That's Jim Carrey at... <laughs> His best Jim Carrey, I think. <laughs> I saw the trailer and it didn't look bad. I just didn't end up seeing it. Did you see the original trailer with the bad Sonic, or did you see like the better trailer with the better Sonic? Excuse me, Jess. That image is gonna haunt my nightmares <laughs> for just the little like chocolate teeth and the weird face never <laughs> left me. It was the. I'm so glad that they did what they did because the movie actually was really good. Um, and there are so many Easter eggs in it. So hmm. if anybody wants to request Sonic, I would love to talk about all the Easter eggs in that one. Yeah, let's make it happen. Um, Brie Larson, who is Captain Marvel, um, wants, this is another video game related one, uh, wants Nintendo to cast her as Samus from the Metroid series. Ooh, I would really like that. Yeah. It would be awesome. Like, she did a cosplay of it and everything. Huh. It was really cool. I think she's famous enough at this point where they'd probably make that happen for her. Yeah. Um, I really hope that she starts getting more leader. I know she's a real big person on, like, women in Hollywood. So yeah. it would be nice to see her uh, take something, kind of like what Ryan Reynolds did with Deadpool. And uh, just go with it. I think that would be really cool. Definitely. Um, some other stuff out of Comic-Con. Um, I'm going to put the link in the show notes because there was a lot of stuff. But um, they confirmed that New Mutants is still going to be in August. So that's the X-Men horror thriller one. Um Bill and Ted, they released the new trailer for Bill and Ted 3. <laughs> I haven't seen the first two, so I hear they're good, though. They're they're good. They're very 80s, and I dig that. Yeah. Um, and then they announced a few uh, like Marvel-esque titles, not necessarily within the MCU, but um, just some outliers and stuff. So there's a lot of there was a lot of good stuff that came out. Definitely. I just saw today that uh, Netflix greenlit a six-episode prequel to The Witcher. Yeah. Um, toss a coin to your Witcher is all I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's... I... Okay. I like the show, but it definitely has, like, 
I'd say significant problems with it. Like it doesn't impede your ability to enjoy it, but there's a lot of moments that don't really make sense until the end. I don't want to say too much, but you know, you think it's going to be like, oh, this is all coming together. And then you realize it's like, oh, oh, that's what they did. And it's just kind of like a, eh. I mean, Henry Cavill's great in it, though. I'll say that. Yeah. And to have uh, a big nerd like that <laughs> play um, a video game character that people are very passionate about um, is is good. Like he I think he did it well and looks like him. So. Oh, definitely. I'll take it. Um, if anybody wants to see him build a PC, by the way, you can go look that up on YouTube. Apparently, it's a sexy thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he does it, it's a sexy thing to do. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of him, actually, um, something else I saw, the Zack Snyder Justice League cut with mm-hmm. his black suit. Mm. That was cool. Um, they released like a little clip of black suit superman meeting alfred i think oh so yeah i for all the rumors that are going around about the snyder cut i think that if they if or when they eventually release it it's from all the things i've heard sounds like a much better movie yeah there's just a lot of stuff around that movie right now there's that there's the um the guy that played cyborg the cyborg guy is like all up in arms about joss whedon and i refuse to believe that joss whedon is a terrible person because he created buffy and you can't be <laughs> terrible if you created that so <laughs> fair i just can't um but yeah so we'll see we'll see what uh happens it's a lot out there um we one of our emails this week was awesome, and I didn't even think to ask about this kind of thing. Um, Matt B. emailed in and said, since you guys are doing Batman next week, if you don't have a getting to know you question yet, you should do what is your favorite Batman incarnation or favorite Joker? Um, and that's awesome. If you guys have questions like that, you that relate to the movie or stuff like that, email those in too like i didn't even think about it (laughs) yeah that's a pretty good one too yeah you know how i get with these you know how i get with these questions i know overthinking and constantly changing my mind that's why i sent it to you when i got it last week (laughs) (laughs) oh man um i'll I'll go with uh, an obvious one and say my favorite Joker is probably Jared Leto. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Heath Ledger <laughs> did a really good job, and I just really enjoy watching him be crazy. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Batman? Or is that too much to ask? <sighs> that that might be a tall order. Um, I mean, Michael Keaton, I thought, did a pretty good job. Um, my, my gut wants me to say Christian Bale just cause like, as I was growing up, he was Batman, but I don't think he was like the best Batman, you know, I got you. I'll, I'll have to get back to you on that one for now, for the purpose of this episode, I'll say Michael Keaton. <laughs> um, well, since I have only seen a couple Batmans, um, <laughs> that includes justice league. So we can throw Ben Affleck in there. Um, I would have to say, yes, uh, Michael Keaton is probably my favorite. Val Kilmer was not good. (laughs) And Ben Affleck tried to be good, but I didn't see Batman versus Superman. So I only have a small, like, Mm. window. Um, he, mm, he, he was decent. I thought the costume was a little weird, but I I got used to it overall, like, it's not any weirder than the George Clooney Batman suit. <laughs> I was about so. to say that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. I think we can all agree on who the worst Batman is. Or can we? Do you think Val Kilmer or George Clooney? See, I've seen parts of the George Clooney one. And 
I really only remember the suit and that that one kind of jumped the shark a little bit, I feel. Oh, they camped it up to an yeah. uncomfortable level. Yeah, it was it was uncomfortable camp. That's exactly. So I would say, yeah, probably Val Kilmer, just because I think he tried to be like serious and he just didn't to me he just didn't pull it off. But Yeah. Um I did enjoy Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. Though. Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. Joker. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I I was so specifically set on like a Batman. Right. Oh, now I want to change my answer. Yeah. Um yeah, because again, I have not seen Heath Ledger's Joker, so. Oh, don't worry, you will. <laughs> we'll circle back to that <laughs> after I watch it. Um. So yeah, thanks, Matt, for the uh question, and I hope you were not disappointed by our answers. <laughs> <laughs> um. So overview of this Batman is which. We should mention is the first Batman in the modern era, correct? The first, yeah, um, incarnation. Movie. Yeah, the first incarnation in the modern era of like movie making, not including like the Adam West stuff. So, um, this starts as the Dark Knight of Gotham City begins his war on crime, with his first major enemy being Jack Napier a criminal who becomes the clownishly homicidal Joker. That's pretty good. Pretty good overview. Yeah. Um, right on the money. I, like I said, I, had, I hadn't seen any of the other ones. Um, and I've never been a Batman or DC fan because um, I find Batman pretentious and <laughs> annoying. So, <laughs> uh, but my wife likes him, so I was glad that I put this one on the list specifically so I could kickstart our watch through at home. Um, so that being said, I was excited to see the hype uh, surrounding Jack Nicholson's Joker because I'd heard a lot about it. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty good, and I feel like watching it, it was very Tim Burton, um, and I felt like I was watching a mashup of Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. So. <laughs> That's yeah, that's you're in the right neighborhood with that. Yeah, uh, but Danny Elfman, when he works with Tim Burton, is perfect. Um, and he, I think Burton's dark, weird style to kick off these Batmans um, were done correctly. So, yeah, his unique gothic aesthetic really added to specifically a Batman movie, you know? Mm-hmm. His camera angles, too. Um, if you watch Tim, any Tim Burton movie, his camera angles, just like not the straight on and not the straight down, but they're like cockeyed and they kind of give that dark comic booky feel a little bit. Hmm. Um, I think he does those really well, too. And that's probably his cinematographers that he works with, too, to get those shots with lighting yeah. and everything. So. But yeah, that was my initial reaction. It was pretty, pretty good, pretty good, pretty uh, on par with Tim Burton. So yeah, I, I saw that movie originally on like TNT a long, long time <laughs> ago, and I just remember it. It looked like way different than other superhero movies that I'd seen. Not that there were a whole lot to like pick and choose from, but I just remember that one stuck with me because of how like dark the city was. That's what I yeah. remember from, you know, being a wee lad and watching that. It's very dark. <laughs> wee lad. It's very dark and it's very wet and it's very steamy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Um, I've, I've got a trivia on that specific topic for later on. Nice. Um, I did like how in the beginning... Um, it kind of made you think if you know, like the Batman story, it kind of made you think those three people you were following in the beginning were, uh, his, where it was young, Bat, young Bruce Wayne and his parents. Um, so that was a kind of cool switcheroo that it wasn't 
and that he saved them. Yeah. And again, I said that I've watched this movie before, but as I was watching it earlier today, I was like, wait a second. I don't remember them just <laughs> plopping his origin story in yeah. right away. Yeah. And it wasn't him. And I was like, um, okay, uh, that makes sense. Let's do a quick review of the cast. We've touched on them a little bit. Uh, Michael Keaton as Batman. Um, I also think his hair should have had a starring credit role. <laughs> I watched it. I turned it on. I, I, when I, you first see him, I'm like, Michael Keaton has hair. What's this? <laughs> um, Michael Keaton <laughs> has mullet. been in a ton of stuff, but he would later turn in an Oscar-nominated performance for Birdman in 2015. So, At, Again, another movie I'd really like to see. I just, for some reason, never got around to it. What I like is that he, like, ever since the 80s, he's just been in a lot of movies, and he's yeah, never he's, uh, disappointed to, me in one either. Again, it was really hard for me to watch this because Beetlejuice is so prominent in my head when I'm watching it that I was like, he's Beetlejuice still. Like, even some of his mannerisms are like, <laughs> that's Beetlejuice right there. Right. <laughs> Don't say Batman three times. Um, Jack Nicholson as Jack Napier, a.k.a. Joker, um, did not know that Joker actually had a name, but I was researching it, and he actually doesn't. Um, but that's why uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was named Arthur, and why he's like referred to as other, thing, other names. Um, but Jack Napier is used most commonly um, in things. So, yeah. They haven't they haven't even said anything hmm. about it, like in the comics. Was that? Really. I think they may have confirmed something, but it was only like once. So. Hmm. Did they? No, because uh, I think it was referred to back movie? in like the Adam West stuff, um, or like in other mediums. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, they just decided to use one that was commonly used. Um. I liked, there's so much about him that we'll get into, but in the movie, I love that he fell into that vat of goo or acid or whatever, and I don't know if Suicide Squad intentionally Mm -hmm. did kind of the same thing when he was, like, creating, in air quotes, uh, Harley Quinn, Um, but I thought it was a nice touch um, for Suicide to do that, if they meant to. I, I think they did mean to, because if I'm not mistaken, that's the Joker's got like three sort of origin stories um, created along the comic book run. And one of them is he falls into like a vat of chemicals that bleaches skin white and his lips red cool. and his hair green and all um, that jazz. By the time Nicholson had landed this role, uh, which he almost passed on, that we'll come to later. Uh, he was already a nine-time Oscar nominee and had won twice. <laughs> like, what yeah, do you do a with a nine-time Oscar nominee? You let them do whatever the <laughs> oh, heck you, they uh, want. You let them be the Joker. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, who's... Oh, the name's going to bug me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, no, I can't remember who I was going to say. Yeah. Never mind. Um, Kim Oscar, so. Basinger, Basinger, everyone pronounce her last name, um, plays Vicky Vale, who would later be played by Nicole Kidman. I did enjoy Nicole Kidman's Vicky Vale. If we could take Michael Keaton and Nicole Kidman mm. and mash them up, I think that would have been better. But um, anyway, she was also in uh, she was in Eight Mile, uh, which is an amazing movie. I've been on a big Eminem thing lately, so I was pleasantly surprised to see her. Um, And she would actually win an Oscar ten years later for L.A. Confidential. I have not. That movie is uh, legit. If you've never seen that before. Um. 
Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent, I think, was a missed opportunity. Yeah, that one really took me by surprise because I actually didn't remember him from my previous viewing of this movie just because it's such a they glaze over his character pretty quickly you know like he's in a few scenes but he's not really that big of a deal in the movie which i think makes sense because i think they were setting up that character um, as a bigger role in the sequel this can bring us into our trivia nice segue um that billy d williams actually (laughs) took the role with the expectation that he was going to be brought back to play two-face um and had a contract clause added um reserving the role for him but when casting for batman forever Hmm. started warner brothers decided they preferred tommy lee jones not tommy lee not pamela and tommy lee tommy lee jones uh and bought out william's contract but um Billy D was able to reprise his role in the Lego Batman movie, which I have not seen, but I almost would say my favorite Batman is Will Arnett actually now. (laughs) 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 So yeah, he does a really good job. I mean, that kind of, that must've been a, like a slap to the face. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, speaking of casting, um, Robin Williams was actually offered the role of the Joker when Jack Nicholson hesitated on it. And um, I guess he felt he felt a lot of resentment at the studio for being used as bait to you know lock in Jack Nicholson and not only refuse to play the Riddler in Batman Forever, but he also refused to be involved in any Warner Brother movies. I wonder if until the, studio the studio ever apologized. apologized. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, I'm trying to think of any movie he was in from Warner yeah. Brothers, but I, that'd be cool I, to I, find for out. Life of me, don't know. Um, I don't think I could see him, Robin Williams, playing the Riddler though. Like Jim Carrey was perfection. Yeah, he was pitch perfect for that, and uh, I, I guess another front runner for the Joker was Willem Dafoe. And when asked why him, uh, one of the producers said, "He well, we just thought Willem Dafoe that's looks a like true the Joker. story, and that's it." <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. going back to Jack Nicholson and Academy Awards, first of all, I really thought that he had been nominated for this one, um, but I was surprised to find out the only. Academy Award that this movie was nominated for was for Best Art Direction and Set Direction. Decoration, I should say. Um, which is understandable. I mean, it's... it's They built a whole city. It's all miniature city. And some parts you can definitely tell. <laughs> um, but again, I think that's part of the charm of a Tim Burton movie because he, he uses miniatures a lot. Um, but... Yeah, oh, yeah, he does do them really well. And he uses them really Jack well. Jack Nicholson, who, again, remember, nine-time Oscar nominee by this point, um, had a strict schedule stipulated into his contract, and his casting call um, was to be the latest on the set. Because um, if anybody knows Jack Nicholson, like I do personally, <laughs> he's always out having late dinners, and uh, <laughs> he would not get home um until like three in the morning and he would always be at parties and i think back to jack nicholson in like the late 80s and 90s you think about his lifestyle um you could see it so he his call time was no earlier than 10 a.m and michael keaton would arrive like super early in the morning and then uh jack would come in say hi to michael and then sit in his chair and fall asleep for the two hours while they put makeup, his uh, prosthetics on him. <laughs> like, that's just what you let an Oscar, a nine-time that. Oscar winner do. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you 
So I guess some people would say that he might have been kind of like a diva on set. Once you know those, you know, extra facts, you you know, I could see that. Given where he was at his career, nominated nine times, winning two times for Oscars, you, you can afford to have some special stuff, yeah. you know, thrown yeah, your absolutely. way, written in your contract. I mean, have you ever seen him courtside at a at an L.A. Laker game, like I in have... the tabloids? I mean, he is, he's a party guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, that is a perfect segue because um, while he'd have his makeup done, uh, Keaton asked someone as a favor to like record um, basketball games for him so he could watch uh, like L.A. games while he was getting makeup and prosthetics done. And at one point, there was no game scheduled, so they <laughs> he ended up watching like a dart a professional dart game <laughs> instead, which I didn't even know they televised. And uh, that was like a, a, a little joke after that, uh, that they cracked up on set about, oh, how's the dart game? Um, so <laughs> he also um, admitted, Jack Nicholson admitted in interviews that he was a really big comic book fan um, when Batman first appeared. And that the Joker has always been his favorite character from the comics. And he said of his role, um, the thing I like about the Joker is that his sense of humor is completely tasteless. And he later said the Joker was um, one of his favorite roles that he played and loved his performance so much that at one point he was watching his own movie uh, once a week at his house. Yeah, <laughs> you can he, tell he had a lot of fun. Filming I mean, that. in all his movies, that face he makes, even without the makeup, I think he does that like Joker smile quite a bit. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, think about him coming through the door in The Shining. You know, I mean, there's a reason hmm. he's won or yep. been nominated nine times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and good reason too. Speaking of Oscars, I I actually forgot this movie won an Oscar. That was the first Batman movie to win one, and it wasn't followed up until two thousand eight when nice. The Dark Knight. Won what did The Dark two. Knight win for? Was it it was Heath Ledger, right? And was it what yeah. was the? Do you know what the other one was? I want to say it's um, probably I will know like in one visual second. or special effects or something. All right. Won two Oscars. One was for Heath Okay, Ledger. yeah, I could see the that. One With all the explosions and stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. Moving from the Joker to Batman, uh, Michael Keaton is actually credited with coming up with the I'm Batman line. Um, in the script, it said, <laughs> I am the knight, and I'm glad that they yeah. changed it to, that he changed it to, I'm Batman. <laughs> it it, sound, it um, rolls better off the tongue that way. <laughs> and also, weirdly enough, the bat suit was so tight, it actually made him deaf while he was wearing it. Like, is whenever that he had one the, the cowl up, that he couldn't could, hear That you couldn't move your neck in? Yeah. I'd say 95% of the bat suits, you can't move your neck. So if you need to look at something, you got to <laughs> twist your entire shoulders. Which they, they make a little bit of a joke about that. Oh, I'm going to look forward to that. that. I appreciate it. Um, but speaking of the lower voice, uh, Michael Keaton, who calls himself a self-proclaimed logic freak, uh, was concerned that Batman's secret identity would, in reality, be fairly easy to uncover. Um, I mean, it is. And my wife actually goes, "Does he know? Does that people know that he has eyeliner on the whole time <laughs> under that?" I'm like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> um, but he said that ultimately, how they chose to differentiate was to make Batman's voice uh, look at a lower register. Um, from when he was playing from when he was Bruce Wayne and this technique became a staple 
um, as we all know, with uh, Kevin Conroy and most and Christian Bale, and even Ben Affleck does it a little bit, but that's how they they do it now. Yeah, I I sort of like the auto tune aspect to Affleck's <laughs> Batman because it wasn't him like trying to talk like this. Uh, it was just they did the same thing him, uh, yeah. in Batwoman. In the TV show this past year with Ruby Rose, um, every time she talked as she was Batwoman, mm-hmm. it was a auto-tuned, uh, like a voice box thing that they used. Yeah, they did that on the first yeah. time I saw that was on Arrow in season one, back in the day. That, that was an okay yeah, show. They all do the CW shows. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of auto tune, though, I wonder if there's like a another cut where they <laughs> don't just make, make fun of T like Pain, man. He won Mass Singer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not making fun of T Pain. I'm just yeah. saying, how great would it be? You know, I get it. it. Doesn't matter. I get it. That's just something I want. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, in being paired with uh, Keaton not being able to hear while wearing the bat suit, he's also pretty claustrophobic as it happens. And it said it helped him uh, sink into the proper mood to play Batman. It said it made him like really, it was really easy to be withdrawn yeah, I could when he was that. in that suit. Um, they actually, um, when they were creating the bat suit, they actually wanted to use uh, Nike product placement. Um, but obviously they didn't go with that. That was um the guy who was tasked, Vin Burnham, who was tasked with creating the bat suit. They said um John Peters, who I think is a producer, maybe I could be wrong, but yeah, he wanted to use Nike product placement with it, which just reminds me of uh, Mystery Men. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> How Greg Kinnear, oh, not in a long uh, time, superhero guy has like all the product placement all over him. I love it. That's one that should be on our list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. I just think of Wayne's mm, World, yeah, and that montage of product placement. It's really, it's really forced, but hilarious. I think it'd be a little jarring to see mm-hmm. Batman putting Nikes on or like Adidas or something, and then Absolutely. going out and beating um, the crap out they of They sculpted twenty-eight latex designs, um, twenty-five different cape looks, and six different heads um, that cost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Like that is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is almost I can't do the math but it's a lot of the last movie we just watched the last movie we watched the total budget was only three million dollars <laughs> oh yeah and that's Crazy. a quarter million um, right there just on that one time I'll give a little side story here <laughs> um, I was when I worked for GameStop I went to our conference which had we have our own like small con thing and it was the year that Batman one of the Batman games was coming out and it was a really big deal Um, and they had all kinds of capes and cowls that were designed by art students and stuff Um, and there probably had to be like 20 or 30 of them and it was probably the coolest thing I've seen and I don't even like Batman that much but there was like an ice cream cone one um there's just a bunch of really cool ones if i i'll go through my phone and i'll see if i still have the pictures and i'll post them on the page um because they were they were really interesting actually yeah <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and a perfect segue because the uh the batmobile that they have in this movie you know how it kind of opens like a cockpit where the the i don't want I don't want to call it like a windshield or a window, but it's like both of those things mm-hmm. just kind of slides forward and back kind of. Um, so a last minute thing they realized is that they made the seating as low as possible for Keaton, but 
his uh the ears on the cowl got stuck the first time they were testing <laughs> it out as they uh shut the cockpit there so you don't notice it but they use a different cowl when he's driving the batmobile or any scenes involving him getting into the batmobile that's uh, with funny that's something i definitely sure that would not have noticed stuck. <laughs> and that's why you spend quarter of a million dollars like a quarter on a of a million dollar mistake <laughs> um <laughs> when oh let's go to um when we were talking about nicholson and how you said he fell into a vet and that's what made his skin white let's talk about the real making his skin white um so he and there's a sure. scene where he has to mask his white face with flesh colored. Um, and then he has to take off the flesh colored uh, makeup to reveal his white skin. So that means the makeup effects had to find to, a way to make one layer of makeup off and leave the other intact. Um, so what they did was come up with the solution. Nick Dudman, who is the makeup designer, they painted Jack Nicholson's face uh, with the white Pax paint um, that they always used. I don't know what kind of special paint this is, but it's something they use. <laughs> um, and then they put a thin layer of food-grade silicon oil, which nothing sticks to, on top of it. Then they took the flesh-colored grease paint and had to slowly paint it on where it was like sitting on top of these oils. And then they had to airbrush it and fade it in to look natural. And after soaking the handkerchief that he uses, uh, Nicholson was able to wipe his face that would strip off that part, but leave the white tax paint underneath intact. That is crazy that layering. Is intense layering. I don't even know how. Like, <laughs> who would think of to use oil? You know? Yeah. Not, it's one of those things where after you bring up the idea, it's like, you know what? That does sound like it would work. But coming up with that, how many how many people lost sleep trying oh, to Oh, I'm sure he got the script and like day one, situation. he was like, how am I going to make this work? That's like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, good point. But it's, again, it goes to the people behind the movie that don't usually get credit for making a movie as great as it is. Like you would not know that scene. You would not know how they did that. Like it was flawless. It was done really well. And it didn't even cross my mind to think like, Oh yeah. That they had to do something special. So kudos to the people that don't get the credit. Oh, definitely. I I feel bad skipping credits after like really impressive TV episodes or movies, but there's just so many names there. At least at least people do get a shout out here and there <laughs> on special uh, podcast episodes yeah. like this. So good job, whoever that was. <laughs> um, speaking of Jack Nicholson, he opted to receive a percentage of the gross on the film. And due to a massive box office take, he took home around $60 million, which is insane. And as of 2003, was still the single movie and record for an perfect segue salary. into the budget and the opening weekend and the gross. Budget, $35 million estimated. We know where 250000 of it went. <laughs> opening weekend... <laughs> <laughs> 40 million dollars blew blew out jeez that's that's their, pretty good what they use like you when you win on three days that's amazing yeah um, oh yeah that's an automatic sequel right US there. 250 million and then uh, worldwide 411 million so which is insane for that time, because if you have a budget that low by today's standards and you make 200 million, that's, you know, an automatic sequel in those days. So they 
they crushed it out of the park. That's kind of like Joker being made on like forty million dollars or something, and then grossing yeah, one billion. That's crazy. That is insane. I want to see if I can find. Okay, you know what uh, the next closest movie was that weekend? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. What? At four? At only fourteen million. Oh wow! So that. Wow. You know, uh, domestically, that was the highest grossing movie of 1989. And worldwide, it only came in second to yep. Indiana Which Jones. That and weekend the last uh, was number four. And the previous week had been number two, uh, only losing out to Ghostbusters 2, which came out the week before. That was a good, good summer. Oh, wow. Huh. Pet Cemetery came out that summer. <laughs> you're telling me. Uh, Field of Dreams, Dead Poets Society, Indiana Jones, Roadhouse, which I have sitting on my shelf ready to watch. Uh, no, I haven't. Like, <laughs> wait, have you seen Roadhouse yet? Oh, oh, I uh, something yesterday referenced Roadhouse in like a joke, and that <laughs> movie is. It's great. It's just, it's really great. It's so bizarre at certain times, but it's classic. It's very manly. 80s Swayze. I love it. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to wash your hands after you put the DVD in because you're just coated uh, in testosterone. Yeah. So that 89 was a good summer. Um, yeah. Go ahead. You know, um, about the art department there, they, uh, they said that they deliberately mixed clashing architecture styles to make Gotham City the ugliest and bleakest metropolis imaginable. Yeah, which I, I agree. Think they definitely Very, uh, again, goal. wet and dark and steamy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yep, that's about right. Um, they, like you said, they, they shot the movie at Pinewood Studios in the UK because it's absolutely massive and wasn't currently being used. Uh, but what blows me away is shooting wrapped in about three months, which is insane for a huge movie like that. that was the UK Pinewood? What? I wonder... Yeah. I want to see what else is filmed there. I th if I'm not mistaken, I think Alien might have been. Uh, wow. 2001 Space Odyssey, maybe? Goldfinger, James Bond. That is a big one. Uh, oh, actually, A Dark Knight uh, film there, too. Yep. And Star Wars, uh, Rise oh, of Skywalker, go. Solo. I, when you said Pinewood, I was like, I've heard that, um somewhere before and I, I thought it was Star Wars but I didn't want to like say it and be wrong so that's cool it's a good <laughs> studio yeah yeah they do a lot of really good movies there um, I guess uh, there was also a news crew so filming was really secretive on Batman and they actually a journalist hired a camera guy to fly over the studio in a helicopter and try to get footage of that. Um, didn't exactly work, but a publicist was offered and refused 10,000 pounds for the first pictures of Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And then later, the police were actually called because uh, two reels of footage were stolen from the set Uh in order to like make a bootleg copy of Batman. So about 20 wow. minutes worth of the movie was just flat out stolen. Yeah. Burton said making that movie was torture and was quoted <laughs> by, as saying it was the worst period of his life. <laughs> Which was also the first uh, really big movie that he did too. Uh, because Beetlejuice was so huge. That gave him the chance to be yeah. trusted with like a big Hollywood blockbuster. Um, there was something else about that that I thought I read, and now I can't find it. 
but yes, go for it. Got a couple follow-up facts to that. All right. Um, so apparently uh, Keaton's casting as Bruce Wayne caused a controversy. This is like, <laughs> this movie set so many trends for what we see afterwards when thinking of Batman. Uh, I guess a lot of comic book fans, 50,000 of them actually wrote protest letters to Warner Brothers Studios just, you know, complaining about like, well, he's known for comedy. Why would you cast him in a serious role like Batman? Um, I guess the first choice that they wanted for um, Bruce Wayne was Mel Gibson. Again, that would have been a weird fit, but he was already committed to Lethal Weapon 2. And then when Batman Forever was being made, he had to turn it down because he was already committed to Braveheart, yep. which I think that worked out yep. a lot better for him than that would have. And uh, Ray Liotta was so liked by Tim Burton as an actor that he offered him three different roles in the movie and he turned all three down to be in Goodfellas, which was a phenomenal movie. But he actually said he regretted that because that would have yeah, opened up a lot of interesting opportunities for him. Uh, else, as Henry Hill in Goodfellas, you know, like oh, Goodfellas exactly. is exactly. Oh my god, that that whole genre Iconic. of movies wow. from the late '80s and '90s, absolutely incredible. Love it. Um, side note on that, because I like to go on tangents. There's a really awesome documentary that I watched yesterday um, on the mob in New York City. It's called uh, Fear the City or Fear City. Ooh. And it's about the FBI taking down uh, the FBI and Rudy Giuliani taking down the five crime families and learning about how organized crime works in the 70s and 80s in New York. It's really good. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's Fear only City, it's three 45-minute episodes, and it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always down for mob documentaries. Oh, yeah, I did. Did you Absolutely. end up watching The Irishman? That's a Scorsese film. Uh Oh, exactly. Dude's a legend. But yeah, oh man, someone, uh, someone write us in, make us rewatch that. I, I want to yeah. go uh, uh, deep, deep. That one, it was that nuts. Movie. Like, I didn't read anything about it before. I was just like, Pesci, De Niro, Scorsese, I'm in. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stop I even selling, didn't mind the de aging in that. Didn't bother me at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can only it's make those a, people like, look so young. Too. There's so much technology that is coming around that I think te- in ten years' time, in ten years' time, we might lose small things like miniatures, um, that kind of work, um, and we're gonna get into the stuff of like Aquaman, where you know you, it's mostly digital, but it's gonna look so much better. Um, yeah, going back yeah, I think to Batman, right. even though we love to talk about everything. Um, when Tim Burton, first of all, is a crazy man, he's weird and he looks like he's weird. So, when discussing the central theme of Batman, this is like just it, it just stuck, struck me. He says, the whole film and mythology of the character is a complete duel of the freaks. Which, is that not him doing anything? Um, It's a fight between two disturbed people. Adding that the Joker is such a great character because there's a complete freedom to him. Any character who operates on the outside of society and is deemed a freak and an outcast then has the freedom to do what they want. But they, they they are the darker sides of freedom. Insanity in some way, in some scary way, is the most freedom you can have because you're not bound by the laws of society. And I feel like Burton takes that uh, when he's making a movie. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I I noticed this time um, towards the end of the movie when they're uh, both talking about basically each other creating each other, like Nicholson killed Bruce's family, which made him turn into Batman, who then let him fall into the chemicals, which created the Joker. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it made me wonder, like, is the creation of good and evil just, you know, cyclical, like one makes the other makes the other makes the other and then i was like maybe I i'm just getting too deep for a batman movie i, I agree with that i think you can't have evil without good yeah no and you can't have did Tim you Burton know that he was married to helena bonham carter who is also a weirdo <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why she's in so many of his movies, and it's she's like weirdly pitch perfect for anything. He, I, I mean, I know he's he's married yeah. to her, but I think his true love is Johnny Depp. Like those those two are deeply and Danny in, in cinematic there love. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> yeah those three when they get together and make a movie because the three of them have done a lot of movies together too. Um. It is just a weird journey that you just have to oh, go, yeah. all right, I'm here, let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like every time, um, it's like creepy gold. Oh, okay. the last thing I had was that this is an hour and two, uh, sorry, two hour and six minute movie, which was not as commonplace uh, in the 80s and 90s as it is today, unless you were watching like a Scorsese movie. Yeah, like most, of, if you huh. look at most of the movies from the 80s and 90s, you're going to look at like 90 to like 110 minute runtime, usually. So to sit, because even nowadays when you go, people are like over two hours in a movie, it's like, oh, that's not, that's nothing. Uh, Endgame was three hours and whatever. So. And then you've got Martin Scorsese just willing to bump that up every movie he makes. Irishman, what if yeah, I make it I'm almost still in. four hours? I, the first time I I'm watched uh, Casino, it was a double-sided DVD. It told me to flip the DVD over halfway through the movie like it was a goddamn <laughs> laser disc or something. Like, no, you don't at all. You don't see that was, a whole lot. I think Titanic, like, really really set the bar in 96 with the two or 97 with the double VHS. Like you didn't see that often either. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. It didn't feel like two hours and six minutes either. So. No, not really. Um, see the last thing I have here, uh, the script was actually constantly rewritten while filming. So, Originally in the climax, um, the Joker was supposed to kill Vicky Vale, sending Batman into a vengeful fury, but then got reworked um, without telling Burton and uh, commissioned production designer Anton First to create a 38-foot model of a cathedral. So they just kind of added that as they were filming, rewrote it so that Kim Bassinger would be involved in the climax, and uh, that that miniature actually cost $100,000 when the film was already over budget. Um, he Burton disliked the idea of having the climax there, having no clue how the scene would play out. And uh, he said that Jack Nicholson and Kim Bassinger were walking up the cathedral stairs and halfway up, Jack turns around and says, why am I walking up these stairs? Where am I going? And he's like, we'll talk about it when you get to the top. And he's just like, I didn't have the heart That's to tell. That's hilarious. No That's fantastic. <laughs> like, people like this are given free reign to make movies. <laughs> like, they don't know what's going on. They're just winging it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone, uh, there was one quote that made me laugh out loud so hard that I scared my dog was uh, that they said that due to all the rewrites, the fact that this movie came out as a one coherent <laughs> film That's was great. just jaw dropping. That's funny. 
The things that happen on set. <laughs> All right. That was your last yeah. one. Look at that. We both ended on the same. That was my last one. Time. All right. Uh, thumbs. I got this. Usually I find Tim Burton movies hit or miss. Um, <laughs> there are some I really love. There are some I do not like very much. Um, Cause he's sometimes just a little too out there for me. Um, but I really, I enjoyed how the character of the city was almost like the weird part and the rest of it was rooted mostly in reality or like you could see real people doing stuff. Um, yeah. So it didn't seem like that far out there. Um, I was very entertained in this. Uh, I had fun. And for me, it, this was a solid beginning. Um, there may have been some comic book movies before, um, but this was a really solid beginning for them to start, even though it would take about 11 more years before X-Men like really made everything mainstream. Um, but I think DC tried their best uh, with Batman. The Superman movies are a whole different era, I think. They don't, it's almost like against the modern era, so I don't really include them. They were okay. Most of them were okay anyway. Yeah. Um, but I def, I would, I give this two thumbs up because <laughs> I, I don't have no, I don't have any issues with this movie. I enjoyed it quite a lot. Nice. Yeah, I'd say I had a real fun time watching this. Um, it's, it's weird to see jack nicholson in this role a little bit but he does a really good job and i i just every time he's on screen i just he he put a smile on my face and i'd say overall i'd give it one thumb up just because some things don't really hold up to me or just seem like really out of place given what i'm like used to watching so I'd wow say that surprises me i thought i was gonna sure. be more on the lower end this time so. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I thought you were too. <laughs> all right. So we got some awesome uh, emails this week, guys. Thank you so much for sending stuff in. Um, we really appreciate it. I love opening the email and seeing things there and suggestions, movies, just stuff in general. Um, so keep it up. Um, our first email is from Aaron S. Uh, he goes, Hi, Justin Regan. Seeing that your latest movie is going to be the 1989 Batman, I thought I would offer up another Tim Burton movie that meant a lot to him and also a lot to me, 2003's Big Fish. Starring Ewan McGregor, Billy Kudrup, Jessica Lange, Albert Finney, alongside a whole host of other celebrity cameos, Big Fish tells the story of a son, Billy Kudrup, trying to reconcile the reality of the private life of his father. Albert Finney and Ewan McGregor with the tall tales his father told him and everyone else all his life while he still has time. The movie is told as a series of flashbacks with different narrators relating the magical, absurd, sometimes harrowing, but always heartfelt stories about life and the adventures of Edward Bloom. I think this is Tim Burton at his most creative and also most sincere and that really shines through in the performances he got out of everybody in the film. Keep up the good work. You guys are awesome. Love listening every week and can't wait to hear more. Also, fingers crossed for the stuff. <laughs> I'm actually hoping for that one this week, too. <laughs> so, um, Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, Geely. <laughs> I guess we could go back to a terrible movie, but I was hoping for a couple okay ones first. <laughs> right? Um, thanks, Aaron. <laughs> I believe Regan has added that to the list for the spinny wheel today. Um, I'm excited. I have not seen that, but I remember seeing sure previews has. of it. Um, I love you and McGregor too. So, oh, he's fantastic and everything he's in. It's funny though because um, I keep getting Big Fish mixed up in my head with oh, the sad whale documentary <laughs> Blackfish. <laughs> So 
when yeah when aaron was telling me about this he's like oh you gotta watch this movie i'm like i don't want to cry it i don't want to cry know, killer, killer whales, whales either so i would veto uh, that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah no animals first hurting. and only veto um so yeah i'm excited for that one and i'm glad that we got another one added to the list because we are down to only about eight movies on there um so you guys have to keep sending in movies for us to watch otherwise it's going to be movies we watch we want to watch and lord knows regan will make me watch something about blade runner so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, another reference Um, in an episode our next two emails are from matt r um his first one says though i'm a little backed up on podcasts but i just started episode eight and i'm loving the rumors section right in the beginning so that's awesome. Thank you so much for um, tell like giving us feedback. Um, I thought it was pretty cool because I like to know about um, movie stuff coming up. Um, so, yeah, if you guys have anything that you've found out and you want us to talk about in that beginning section too, let us know. There's not a lot you can't email us about or Facebook us or anything. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that brings point. us to his other email, um, which is our October. I haven't felt thought of a good name for October yet, um, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Um, <laughs> we'll work. The whole month of one. October, we're going to be doing Halloweeny, scary, whatever type movies um, that you guys send in, and. The first one that we got was from Matt Arg, and today he says, can you add Freddy vs. Jason to the October movie list? And I am so freaking pumped for that. Um, <laughs> that is a good is, first recommendation I, for I the love Spooky it. Wheel. I love that one. So, Any movies that get recommended for October will go into their <laughs> own October wheel. Um, and then... When that is over, we will move all those movies back into our regular wheel. Um, so don't worry, we will get to them. Um, we just want October to be kind of spooky. And I think we're going to do probably a Christmas one or holiday one in December, maybe, because it gives, you know, different ones. You can't, I don't like watching oh, holiday cool. movies outside yeah. of December usually. So, uh, same. It would be yeah. a little weird to, you know, watch one in yeah. November. Um, or, I mean, not November. So, yeah, June. anything like that, you can definitely let us know. So, we have added all that. Um, yeah, so send in everything. Follow the Facebook. Um, follow the Twitter. Because uh, if I'm watching, like, a movie on my own, I might live tweet stuff. Um, it'll It's fun. Get in all the uh, social medias. Um, that is, that is all for viewer mail. So it is, uh, spin the wheel time. All right. All right. So let's go. Not Geely. Go. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. <sighs> yeah. Yes. There wow. You called so it. Much Starship behind Troopers. Behind that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, I I don't do the spinning, guys. Oh, I, I, that's the whole reason why I don't do the spinning. <laughs> <laughs> so I first saw Starship Troopers when, like, around the age when most people are watching mm-hmm. like those animated Disney musicals that I, for whatever reason, don't really like. Um, so I ended up watching movies on TV that were like Batman and Starship Troopers, specifically Starship Troopers. I think I've seen this movie possibly more times than any I think other I've seen the mummy the, the most out of everything on the list. Uh, but Starship Troopers Ooh. holds a very, very special place Those in my two. heart. Um, I was probably, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm just going to give the background on why I love this movie right now. Um, I was probably 10, 11, 12, something too young to be seeing this movie. Um, But my dad and I 
had a tradition <laughs> that every time I would go see him and it wasn't in the summertime, uh, when we'd be at the lake, we'd be like at his apartment, we would go rent movies. So he would rent a movie and I would get to rent a movie. And my dad is a huge action movie guy. Um, we talk about movies to this day still. Um, and he let me rent. I saw I saw Starship Troopers and I was like, oh, this looks really cool because you based your rentals on the box art back then, much like video games. So I rented that <laughs> and I'm watching it with my dad and that shower scene happens. And that was the, the first time I had ever seen nudity in a movie. <laughs> and it was so awkward. But I love the I just love the movie in general anyway. But I will forever remember how awkward it was the first time I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> so I am stoked. That's hilarious. I I have a I do have a question. Do you think this was the last of Paul Paul Verhoeven's great movies? Because he fell off a cliff I right at the end of the nineties. So. Give me one second to look up his thing because I can't remember what else was after. But we've watched uh, his, one of his movies, right? Already. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, a total big recall. action guy in the eighties. Uh, let's see, because he did RoboCop, right? Yep, RoboCop. Basic things think. Oh yeah, we talked about yes. how it was. Yeah, he was a Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon. Meh. Um, so yes, I do. I think that this was his last great movie. Wow, he crushed it in the nineties, yeah. but like specifically the nineties. Yeah, he had one good decade. Don't we all wish we had that? <laughs> 87 to 97 all right i'm super stoked for next week guys i hope you are please everybody watch this movie with us and write in because there's so much like <laughs> underlining tones in this movie too that i just want to hear what everybody has to think about this so uh regan take us out i <laughs> all right well, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, next week, we're going to discuss the 1997 film Starship Troopers. It was me. Picked for us. Absolutely. By, I'm pretty sure that's you. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, you can help select the next movie we watch by emailing the podcast at youpickwewatch at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at youpickwewatch to get updates, recommendations, live tweets of awesome movies, and just all kinds of content that is specific to social media. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, please feel free to give us a review. It really does help uh, young podcasts uh, get on their feet. I'm Regan. You can find me on Facebook and, and I'm Instagram. Jess. You can find me on Author Twitter at RadMattMal. And I do the Twitter for us, too. You pick, we watch. Um, let's have a great week, guys. Let's enjoy stuff, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Sounds good to me.